Warhammer fantasy news, hobby, lore, and more. Welcome to the War Games Orchard with Nathan and GJ. My New Year's resolution is to finally conquer Ulthwan. This is the War Games Orchard. It is Nathan and GJ with you here for the first duo episode of the year. And we have some news that we wanted to discuss. We got a bit of a grab bag of an episode for you guys today. GJ, how are things going? Well, everybody needs a hobby. A hobby's supposed to pass the time, not fill it. I did absolutely nothing, and it was everything that I thought it could be. Well, since this is the day since I put out last episode uh, about Stegadon, it's uh, still going pretty much the same. If you've heard that one, then you, <laughs> you basically know how it's going. So, uh, yeah, still Excellent. doing well. Um, had some had a little bit more hobby time between these two episodes, so I've actually managed to finish... Uh, Another two model, models, uh, Kazakh One-Eye and uh, his puppy Redmaw. Um, yeah, and lining up some more Beastmen to to paint next. Fantastic. Let's, uh, yeah, let's let's dive right into things here. I uh, It's my, my first episode back on the show uh, since the new, yeah, since the new year. And uh, the reason for that is uh, I had COVID, which was super fun. Um, I actually went to Las Vegas over the Christmas holidays, which was, in fact, super fun. And uh, on Christmas Day is when I started feeling kind of weird. We had all sorts of problems getting home because uh, there was a big polar vortex. I'm sure if you're if you were in North America, you certainly heard about it. Uh, all sorts of snow dumped on like the eastern seaboard, all sorts of delays and things in flights. So we actually didn't get home until the early morning of the 27th. We were supposed to fly out kind of last thing on Christmas uh, Christmas Day. So there was a big delay there, but we actually got luckier than a lot of people who were stuck for a lot longer. And uh, yeah, so coming home and on the plane, I was like, oh, no, I'm coming down with something I'm coming down with something real bad and uh, get home, of course, uh, feel like death itself and, uh, you know, do the do the little rapid test and stuff. And sure enough, uh, I, I had COVID. My wife got COVID as well. I think I, I gifted that to her, um, you know, as a very Merry Christmas gift. <laughs> and uh, it hit us like a truck. It hit us like a truck. I don't know if we got the new uh, big Kraken variant. That seems to be uh, like the next big thing, but uh, it really hit us hard. So there's uh, there's been some some time spent recovering and then getting kind of worse again and then recovering. And uh, now I'm doing pretty well. Uh, still, still maybe not quite 100 percent, but definitely uh, good enough. <laughs> and so that was quite an experience. But and there's a big but here because there's always a big but on this show. There was about a week between when we got home and when I had to go back to school. And so while I was recovering, I actually got to do some hobby stuff. So all it took was holidays and uh, feeling like death itself to get me to do some painting. But I did. And uh, I was actually 
experimenting more with the speed paints because I really, really want to figure out what the best way to use these are. And I think I've kind of gotten to a place where I'm starting to to become kind of happy with with the process of of speed painting. I actually took some of my uh, Eldar stuff uh, for 40k and I uh, gave it a spray of, I think the Games Workshop, I think it's Lead Belcher. I always think of it as Bolt Gun Metal, but uh, I think it's called Lead Belcher now. Um, And uh, so I, I undercoated them in that. And then I put the speed paint over top of that and it gave it a wonderful, nice uh, colored metallic feel. Very, very cool. Somewhat, uh, I, I stuck, stuck to the, like the Eldar theme. So I, I did um, some, uh, no, not them. What are the flamey dudes? Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> some striking scorpions and the the flame guys, which uh, this is so sad that I can't remember uh dragons oh my god i I, i'm of no help here at all i I don't (laughs) don't know anything about 40k yeah yeah this is just embarrassing because i am i i it's just gone from my brain like a big hole in my memory but uh um, it will come back later in the episode and and, yeah exactly the most inconvenient time (laughs) yeah i'll shout it out 40 minutes and it'll be great but uh, yeah so i and and some eldar guardians and um loving loving the way they're coming out they're super fast to do it was that's kind of what i was hoping for it was just like something that i could like something that'd be like tabletop quality and um yeah so that's that's been a lot of fun um the reason why i'm i'm painting eldar was firstly it it went through my head and i was like these are good test subjects because they're very colorful for speed paints the second one is uh i got a buddy at school who really wants to try out the various war hammers and uh, i'm gonna start him off with um one page rules as well as like uh 40k just so he can kind of get a, a t- taste of that before I drop him in the big fantasy basket which is uh I think a little bit more intimidating uh cuz we can do some very kind of you know 10 15 guy battles for 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 40k and one page rules um the other thing that I had uh happen was before we left I bought from TT Combat, I bought some of their MDF terrain that's kind of like ruined buildings uh, because I didn't really have anything suitable for 40K anymore uh, or for for like the one-page um, uh, firefight. And so I just wanted something cheap and cheerful, something that would look okay. And I got this set and I didn't get a chance to open it until I was uh, back home. And it's pretty extraordinary what you get it was about 35 dollars canadian so about like i don't know 350 american or like i i think free if you're anywhere else and um <laughs> so i don't have the 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 uh rosiest view of my currency right now but <laughs> it was pretty incredible how much stuff you got like i feel like i got enough stuff to to fill a four by four table with a good amount of terrain with this MDF. It's all uh, laser cut, of course. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly bare bones, but it's got, you know, it's got a good amount of detail for, for MDF and it's fully paintable and stuff. So I'm extraordinarily happy with that. Uh, I'm thinking about getting either a second set or a, like a different set just to, to fill out the last little bit of the table, or maybe something that's a little bit more, you know, fantasy themed as well. But, uh, I put that together the other day and, um, it was uh, it was great. So, I um, 
I had a good little kind of holiday season of, you know, doing hobby things despite, um, you know, uh, half, half a foot in the garden of more, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. So it's nice to have hobby stuff to report again too. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I, TT combat, by the way, uh, a great company. I have, I, I don't have any experience with their MDF terrain, but I have bought at some point in the past their Tomb King equivalent, uh, army box. And the skeletons are a little bit more mummy-like, but I have already decided that's not going to be a problem because they're going to be from a different Camryan city than my main army. They, they, these might be from... Uh, um, is it Lamia, where, where Queen Kalida is uh, from? I, I have I have Kalida and I have Satras, of course, from Camry, so... Uh, uh, Kalida will be from a different city, so her warriors can look a little bit different from a different time period and everything. Mm-hmm. And you get, uh, I believe it was for, for like $100, but don't quote me on that. You got uh, 20 skeletons with hand weapon and shields, 20 with uh, spears and shields, 20 with bows, all of them with command group. You got a battle standard bearer. You got a... I think a wizard and a, and, and a hero, something like that. And then you also got a catapult, Screaming Skull catapult or their equivalent, and five of the uh, carrion. So, wow, that is uh, a lot. Yeah, and, and, and these, uh, both in scale and in style, they are a little bit different than, than the GW stuff, but both in scale and in style, they fit really well, I think, with any Egyptian themed undead army so um yeah b- big shout out to them mm-hmm. uh, i was wondering by the way nathan uh i seem to recall when we did our last episode together last year you had some issues with the uh, speed paints in that if you painted over them um the the lower layer uh, like dissolved or something like that have you have you f- found a way around that yet or uh, did you just go around it by not giving it a second layer so a lot of it is not giving it a second layer uh but the the i i kind of went in with a different philosophy here which was to just use to use the speed paints for about you know 95% of the mini and then uh, so for Eldar, like like high elves, right? There's so many gemstones all over the place. I did fill in the gemstones with with regular paint, but because it's such a small surface area, it doesn't really bother it too much. Um, what else I've I've been doing is to is giving them a nice long drying time uh, after after painting them with the first layer and I try not to do too much on top of that uh that first layer just firstly because you know I want to get stuff done and and, um and and I I was really liking how these have come out just with the the single layer of paint on them um so yes and no um there has been a couple of times where I've sprayed it with like a matte varnish and then gone over it and then that that's fine um, because of course there's like a coat between what you're you're doing and, and what you've uh, done with the speed paint. But for the most part, I've I've kind of just given up on trying to like do big um 
parts of the model with speed paint and then paint over that big section of the model. So now it's mostly just like, okay, I find the speed paint that I want to use for it. I, you know, I do that. Um, and something that you can do too is like a second coat if you need to darken it or, um, you know, if you want to just kind of change up the way it looks a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think I think that's kind of what I'm going to stick with, which which means, you know, it's it's not everything that I'm I, I, I kind of hoped it would be, but it is it's good for stuff like this, where it's just a quick project that I'm just like just looking to get to the point where I'm just like I'm happy and like I can play with it on the tabletop and, you know, it, it, it looks decent. Um, and I just have too many models I've found to like worry about with the everything looking great. <laughs> I so. know exactly that particular feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's uh, that. That's one of the reasons why I encourage my my kids to come sit with daddy and paint a miniature, even <laughs> though it's just uh, different colors of contrast paints over bare gray plastic and uh, all the the bright colors slapped together so that they turn brown. Um, yeah, Lizzie is helping Daddy paint his Beastman, and uh, maybe when she's older, she can uh, have some projects of her own if she's <laughs> still interested. <laughs> I loved, I loved the one that you showed me there. It was uh, a lot of fun. I love that she still likes to do that with you. Yeah, she even asked about it herself today, and uh, it, it was. Uh, um, I came home from work. I, I usually I, I usually get up very early. I like at uh, 4.30 in the morning. And then if I go to the office, I drive there for an hour. And then I work my shift. And then I uh, come back uh, around noon or, or uh, 1 o'clock that I leave there, drive an hour back. And then I'm uh, basically free the rest of the afternoon. So now uh, Nola, the youngest, was sleeping. And uh, and Lizzie asked if she could uh, paint a miniature with Daddy. So uh, yeah, uh, I I couldn't really say no to that now, could I? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, you don't want to be a monster. You can't. No, if of your course three three year old asks to paint with you, you're just like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like yeah, sure. Uh, it's, of, of, I mean, of course, it's I'll allow you to. Uh, <laughs> To to paint this uh, demonic-looking fantasy creature. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever can go wrong. Yeah. Speaking of which, yeah. I, I'm bas- I'm basically ruining my kids. I'm teaching them to say if uh, if I if I say who you're gonna call, they will both respond with uh, some variation of Ghostbusters. See, that just and, seems like uh, responsible parenting to me. Okay, well, my wife yeah. my wife thinks something different. And uh, <laughs> uh, re- reading The Hobbit to uh, uh, to my oldest, uh, I've got this uh, beautiful edition with a lot of illustrations. She she wants mm. to basically just look at the pictures, but she'll allow me to read. And uh, she wants to hear the story of Gandalf and Bilbo. And whenever she sees a man with a, with a big beard, she says, that's Gandalf. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, last we saw uh, Gandalf on uh, uh, on a moped, and uh, she she said she saw Bilbo getting into a car, out of a car. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you you gotta love a three year old's imagination. Um, mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Right, but, but, 
that reminds I, 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 me. DJ. I don't think we should uh, we should talk about our kids. I was going to say, or um, <laughs> I, I can do an entire podcast just talking about how cute my kids are, but I don't think people <laughs> are, are um, waiting for that. But it reminded you of something. Sorry, I cut. I cut it. Yeah, out. no worries. So you talking about the Hobbit, just uh, in terms of fantasy novels, um, I have to to thank you because uh, one of the things that I did while sick with COVID was I reread um, Hammers of Ulrich, which was uh, one of my favorite Warhammer books of all time, uh, one that I owned for many, many years and then lost in a move at some point. I've moved so many times in my life that honestly, I'm surprised I have any possessions whatsoever. But uh, you sent me your copy um, a while back, and uh, I so I had time to to read it. And my God, is it still my favorite Warhammer book of all time? I loved every second of that. I tore through that thing, and it, I think the reason is, and if you haven't read it, it's it's a great story. It's told from multiple perspectives of kind of the these interesting people of Mindenheim. You have, of course, the Knights of the White Wolf. Uh, there's several of the characters uh, from, it's called White Company, and it's a, a company that's kind of been down on their luck, but they've got some new recruits. And uh, it, they've. Uh, you've also got a priest of Moore that has a very sketchy past. You have a farm girl who is just kind of thrown into this weird, like terrifying city. You have a thief. It, it's ominously, uh, for my money, it's a lot like a Warhammer fantasy roleplay campaign, but it, it's kind of written out. And they're um, the the antagonist of the book. It, it it's nothing from like it's not like a chaos demon or anything. It's um, and I, I'm not going to spoil it for you, although it's like a 30 year old book at this point. But uh, the antagonist is really neat and really interesting, and kind of ties into the past of Middenheim. And uh, it's just so much fun. It's just such a cool adventure. And the characters are so, they're different, but uh, there's there's a lot of like really interesting little bits between the White Wolves and and uh, the Priest of Moor is my favorite. He is, uh, he's a really neat guy. I, I'd love to, to play something like that in a Warhammer Fantasy roleplay campaign at some point. And uh, yeah, it's just every, like, I love the Felix and Gotrek books. But this feels like actual people in the Warhammer world as opposed to, uh, you know, Felix, who is a pretty great warrior in his own right, following around like a demigod uh, in Gotrek. <laughs> so this is a little bit more down to earth, I guess, if you would call it that. But uh, a fantastic, fantastic read. So thank you so much again for uh, sending that. Yeah, you're yeah, most welcome. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm in the process of collecting... Uh, hopefully at one point in time, all the different Warhammer novels, um, at least Warhammer fantasy novels. And so I got my hands on that copy that I gave you. And then later on, I got an omnibus that included it. So I, I had this one uh, to spare. And uh, yeah, I could oh, sell nice. it off for, for uh, a couple of euros or I could... Uh, make it part of a, a care package to Canada because uh, from what you've told me about the situation in Canada and your personal situation, I think, well, Nathan needs a care package once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh, I hope it, I hope it doesn't sound that bad, but uh, no, yeah, no, no, I do no, appreciate I it. It's, it's great. Um, so that was, that was lots. And lots yeah, so glad. 
maybe if we can uh, use this as a segue, speaking about uh, novels and Warhammer novels, um, we had the the last episode we did together was about uh, some of the classic monsters that for some reason didn't appear in Warhammer Fantasy. Mm-hmm. And um, what we have in the uh, Crown of Command Discord, we have our own channel where we can put the uh, Wargames Orchard podcast and they've now automated it. So whenever a new podcast drops, it, uh, a little bot will say uh, there's a new podcast and people can uh, respond to it. And um, we've had some some replies to that uh, episode and also to the Man of War episode we did before that, uh, specifically about werewolves. And the reason why I said segue from the uh, stories, because one of the people who responded to this episode uh, is uh, Lewis, who has his own podcast, the Old Hammer Oh, I'm drawing a blank here. Also, I'm a fiction podcast, I think, where, where he basically reads out uh, those stories from the 80s. Um, well, not really omnibuses, but like uh, Wrath, Thirst, and, and Ignorant Armies, Wolf Riders, those uh, anthologies, that's the word I'm looking for. And uh, Lewis said, uh, there's a couple of werewolf scenarios in Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. They also appear oh. in the Norse army list in White Dwarf 107, which I think should be squarely in the 3rd edition era. They also make explicit appearances in No Gold in Grey Mountains and Starboat from the original line of Warhammer Fiction. In that 3rd edition Warhammer Fantasy uh, battle, they are pretty explicitly creatures of chaos, or at least their powers are drawn from it. Uh, WFRP or, or rough, rough Rub, I've heard both pronunciations, also gives um, gives it at least two Frankenstein's monsters over the years. And he follows it up with a couple of pictures of uh, uh, werewolves. And uh, yeah, we, we basically said that we put them in a like an empire army and uh, sort of like more a vampire counts theme. And uh, Lewis says, well, they are definitely creatures of chaos, which is one of the things that we discussed in that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he follows it up with, uh, I suppose the thing was that these things made good RPG adversaries, but why they'd line up in ranks on battlefields made a lot less, uh, excuse me, a lot less sense in the context of the world of fourth edition. And I fully agree with him on that. Um, Sunzi after that replied, uh, just listening to the Man of War episode from November, a pleasure again. Didn't know Hostmaster Nathan was from Canada. So, uh, apparently Nathan, you should put a lot more emphasis on how bad your situation is in Canada. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and he, he then uh, later followed up with, uh, I definitely learned something there. And he said, I missed a T-Pain reference about being on a boat, but yeah, great intro to Man of War. Uh, now, I have no idea what T-Pain is, and I forgot to ask him. So uh, if you know that, what that is, Nathan, maybe you should make yes, that reference now. Yes. 
Okay, so that was a that was a song from about a decade ago. Uh, T Pain is a a singer who is very famously auto tuned. Everything that he sings is in full auto tune. Uh, he did a collaboration with a, a comedy group called uh, Lonely Island, which was headed by Andy Samberg um, of Brooklyn Nine Nine and a bunch of stuff. And uh, yeah, the 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 song was about how great it was to be on a boat. Um, and, uh, it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. That's really funny. I guess I should talk more about Canada on the podcast, but I, I feel like we just lose listeners. Quite frankly, it's, it's cold. Yeah. It's really cold here. Uh, I'm generally complaining about the weather and, uh, we have a lot of big open spaces or a lot of like spaces that are forest. Uh, there's people, we're all huddled by the U S border for warmth. And that's about everything you need to know about Canada. <laughs> and then you have uh, giant stupid lizards and the neighbors are trying to kill you every opportunity they get to get in the good favors of the Witch King. Oh, or yes. Was, yeah, was, there is the, that. The, the, no, that was maybe the other Canada. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, since I am now still on the Discord and um, there's also two remarks about uh, yesterday's episode, one that we put out uh, before about Stegadon. I mentioned there that the 5th edition starter set did not have a story and I apparently was wrong because uh, Covering Fire, uh, Ted, he said it was a great episode. Just a comment regarding the 5th edition starter set and it having no story. The Wrath of Tlaxlan, which I'm probably butchering, article from White Dwarf 204 explained the background for why the Lizardmen and Bretonians fought and introduce a scenario where you use the contents of the starter box. It's a great article, and I honestly think it should have been included in the starter box as a folder. And Dave Lister follows up, a dark conspiracy spring of 1997 worldwide campaign was likewise based on the 5th edition starter box set, which was released three months earlier. So yeah, that's that's the... Um, uh disadvantage I have of, of being introduced to Warhammer later, and although I own all of these white dwarfs, I haven't had a chance to go through them one at a time. For some reason, there's always other stuff that comes up, always other stuff to read. Um, I talked, to this, uh, about, uh, uh, talked about this to Josh at some point. Uh, uh, one, one day I would like to have read like all the novels and rule books and army books and white dwarves or at least leaf through them to to pick out some interesting articles I mean maybe that's something that that I should just start on at some point and uh, uh, might even use this podcast for that or maybe the patreon to to do something like that but I I don't know if there's something that I can add that's not being already done um uh, and and uh, also of course uh, reading the books will take a lot of time and uh, yeah so so that's something that's that's been going around in my head but hasn't solidified um yeah that, that's basically sort of a new year's resolution but i do think before we go to new year's resolutions unless you had something to add nathan we should maybe discuss a little bit of news yes yes so i i will just add before we we head over uh, to kind of our, what I assume is sort of our main topic for today, uh, is that I actually had White Dwarf 204. I just looked up the cover. Um, and it's, it's funny cause I do not remember that story one bit. 
all of my white dwarfs are are, are long since past. Uh, I, I've I've downloaded some of them as like soft copies and stuff over the years, but uh, that's really interesting. I love that there was actually a story for the fifth ed starter box. I would love it if it had been in the fifth ed starter box. That's something I would have devoured as a child. I loved the lore. Like the lore is what what made me absolutely crazy about Warhammer. Um, so that's really, really neat. Um, so shout out to everyone who, who kind of commented there. There's a lot of interesting facts there. I still, uh, werewolves as creatures of chaos still kind of is just like, oh man, like everything's a creature of chaos. Like I just wanted something different for that. But um, yeah, and <laughs> especially after you having such a close encounter with a certain green blobby chaos god, um, mm-hmm. I I, th- I think maybe we should put werewolves in in the empire, uh, no matter what. Yeah. They can still be creatures of chaos, but not. We just uh, we just won't tell the armies of chaos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll keep Let's it a secret. That. No one will notice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. So yes, um, everyone, and big shout out to Lewis for for dropping all sorts of lore knowledge on us there. The awesome awesome stuff. But uh, yeah, let's get to let's get to the news. The giant big news that is yeah. you know just. Lighting the community on fire. This all this information that we were given, and 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 I I, I mentioned in the podcast yesterday. Uh, yeah, there's not really any news, so I'll just discuss some hobby and then move on to the main topic. And then I put the episode online, and then I saw on Facebook. Wait, there's an old world article. So uh, fortunately, <laughs> we have some time to get together now and to. Mm-hmm make a friendly discussion of it or uh, probably burn it into the ground as uh, has happened before with old world news. So Nathan, take it away, mate. What are we doing out here? Bro, what are you talking about, man? What are we talking about again? This conversation can serve no purpose. The main topic. Hold on to your butts. Okay, so this is this is a fun one because, I, I, to my knowledge, this is the first time we've seen one with this title, which is Old World Development Diary. Boy, it's almost like someone said a long time ago that they should have a dev diary and it should have like new artwork and it should just keep us abreast of the the things going on with the development of this game and that it wouldn't take much in terms of resources to do and it would be really helpful for people who are excited about the game. I wonder who could have said that. Uh, I can't imagine it's anyone we know. No, no, I I think probably some anonymous person online. But so the thing I love about these old world articles is that they they always kind of start out in a way that makes me laugh. And this one is no exception. It's been a while since we've made the first cryptic announcement of the return of the old world in 2019. I mean, if that's not like, that's got to be self-aware, right? Like they have to, they have to know, like they're, they're just playing with me at this point, right? This is, (laughs) this is, this is directly aimed at me. Um, But so this is, this is an article to give us a little bit more background on, it gives us a little bit more background on the empire of the day. That, that's really kind of the meat of it. And and this is honestly a bit of a nothing burger of an article. It's it's kind of like ordering a hamburger and realizing that they just gave you buns uh, with a like a bit of lettuce in between. You're just like, I would love some content here. We do get some some fresh art, which is uh, fine. Um, now it, it 
they they kind of start off by telling us that uh, there's so much going on, guys. There's there's tons of things going on. We're play testing everything. We're we're doing all sorts of fun stuff. We can't show you any of it or tell you about any of it in any way that would give you anything useful. But it, trust us, it's it's going on, um, and, and that they're going to draw from every edition of Warhammer Fantasy, which we already knew that they had already said that multiple times. Um, I guess the first thing that's interesting that we get is a picture of a flagellant, and uh, he looks pretty good. You know, he's um, kind of classic style, looks real crazy, has a flail, um, you know, half naked, pretty good. Um, and then we get into the old world, uh, which I feel like everyone who is reading this article should be pretty familiar with or listening to this podcast. And, uh, what, what, what did you think about that, uh, remark? I've seen a lot of people online mention it. Uh, they say it's important to remember though, that even though the setting is returning, these events referring to the end times still happened and that the old world was emphasis destroyed. The end times had long been foreshadowed in the background of Warhammer fantasy battle. What, what, what do you think of that? So I, I, you know, I kind of overlooked that. It's, it's weird. It's weirdly specific. Uh, I, I don't know if they they want us to be like to 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 know that their their canon is the canon that you know. Um, so I. This well, I, I think I, I think I th maybe. I think... Uh, yeah, maybe ahead. it's it's just the kind of thing where they want us to to know like if you're i guess if you were a fan of the end times and right like if you if you play eighth edition with like the end times rules or something that it's not a retcon maybe that's probably all they're saying with it is just like hey this doesn't overwrite uh, the existing material it just you know this adds to it that, that's about all i can think of for this I, I don't know. Yeah, what's, what's... I, I think they included it for uh, maybe two or three reasons. Um, the reason that you mentioned was one I hadn't thought of, saying that it just continues on from the end times. One that I had thought of was that this is uh, the old world coming back does not invalidate Age of Sigma, which is a direct hmm. result of the old world blowing up. So yeah. uh, you still want to have those uh, Age of Sigma dollars uh, flowing into <laughs> the GW bank account. And I think also, um, but I don't know if this is the way they are going with it. Um, they say the end times was foreshadowed and these things really happened. So if the end times have already happened, that means that they probably can't happen again. And uh, or they, at least they don't have to happen again, so that the events that we know to be true Warhammer history can be rewritten without it being an actual retcon. It can be, of course, but uh, it doesn't have to be. And um, this is one of those funny things with 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 prophecy. Uh, you, you get it also in. Uh, uh, stuff like uh, the Chronicles of Narnia or, or maybe even in Harry Potter where um, for, let, let's take Narnia for an example in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe uh, Aslan the Lion he gives himself up as a sacrifice to uh, be, because a crime has been committed and it, somebody needs to die for it and he gives himself up as a sacrifice and in doing so he breaks the altar on which he was sacrificed and 
that um, basically both fulfills the prophecy and it gives you a happy ending. And I think you can do something similar with the old world in this way. The end times have happened. So we've had that. The prophecy has been fulfilled. And basically we can now restart the old world uh, just before the coming of the uh, Great War Against Chaos, uh, which was, what, 2200, 2300, something like that. And we can continue on. And we might even continue on well beyond the end times timeline without the end times actually happening. Does that make a little bit of sense or am I just uh, rambling again? <laughs> that that reads into it far more than I had, the, the statement. I, see, for, for me, it was just kind of a like, hey, this is, you know, the, this is this is the, the the past of the old world. All of these events still like it's all still canonically what happened, but we're going to be playing around in, in, you know, before that. That's all I got from it. I would like it more if you're right. <laughs> I like your interpretation of it. It's just not what I necessarily think when I read the 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 little sentence there. Um, it's a neat idea, though. And if if that's the way that they are going, I think that's better than just kind of being like, hey, uh, everything still turns out the way we wrote it back in 2014. But you know, here's here's like this little snippet of old world history that you can play around in as a sandbox kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know if, if I'm maybe just overthinking this uh, way too much or not, <laughs> but uh, it, it does open up some possibilities. And, and I'm not saying that GW will have to go down this route, but should they want to, they now have the... Um, the opportunity to do so they they've they've covered themselves for that mm. yeah yeah and they can refer, they can refer back to this quote and then say well yeah. we listened to the war games orchard episode and uh, gj gave us an idea so uh, this is what we're going to do now because we all know that they are listening of course oh absolutely yeah yeah i mean i see their spy devices everywhere i go it's it's frankly a little off-putting uh <laughs> yeah the <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a really neat idea. I you know, like I read this after you sent it to me, and I was just like, "Oh, okay." Like I thought it was honestly kind of weird that they even took the time to mention it. So maybe that is something that they're they're thinking about doing because, like, I just don't know why you write this otherwise, right? Like, it's important yeah, they, they have to have some significance with it. Yeah, yeah, because like. Of course we know this. Like, of course we know the end times happen. Like, we were there, Gandalf. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah, and, and, like maybe, maybe for people who are more familiar, and maybe it's it's written for people who are maybe more now familiar with Age of Sigmar, and they're just like, what's going on, like with this and Age of Sigmar? Um, so that that could be, but yeah, yeah, it's it's that's a neat idea for sure. Um, and then that that little section is followed by uh, another uh, piece of artwork here that has uh, two kind of empire looks like kind of militiamen. Um, I'm trying to remember what yeah, the yeah, colors uh, are for them. Are they? Uh, uh, that's, uh, that's Middenheim. Um, oh, it's Middenheim, Middenheim, blue and white. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think I think you get uh, one militia guy who's holding a sword and a pistol, and mm -hmm. the other one is just like a, an archer or a huntsman. Yeah, 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 he's holding a bow like like I've seen people hold like you know like a, a like a base <laughs> like like a, for um, 
for music. But um, yeah, I, I like the. I you know I like this. Oh no, no, I can't unsee that, especially with the arrow there. He's, he's like, yeah, I know, uh, right? He's, he's he's like playing the bow as if it was a cello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, this is. This is good. Um, the the next section here uh, is titled "The Great War Against Chaos." It basically tells us again what we already know, what we've long figured out, like years ago, um, that you know they're going to be playing around before the Great War Against Chaos in the timeline. They're going to go back and explore some of that history more in depth. Um, it's a good idea because there is a lot of interesting stuff especially if you're if you're old world centric which i originally thought this game was uh until i realized that it was literally just warhammer fantasy with a new name uh not that there's anything wrong with that just it, it kind of confused me for a little while because i thought it was going to be a very old yeah world old world is a bit ambiguous uh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that sense because it does both refer to the geographical location as to the uh, the world that was to uh quote gw and that mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And um, so then we get a, a nice picture of a uh, uh, a Midland uh, greatsword. Um, just, you know, looking stoic as they do. And uh, then we kind of get into the meat of the article, like the actual new information. And again, this is kind of the lettuce in our bun. It's not much, but it's something, you know, the bun's not empty. And um, so this, this kind of describes a little bit of the uh the time of three emperors and um that the uh the elector accounts after the death of uh, mandrid von zelt uh the elector counts were unable to decide upon a successor and uh the countess of Ta- uh, talabic land and the count of sterling mobilized their armies to claim the imperial throne by force the the lands fell into civil war and then we get a nice little breakdown of each of the claimants, which is interesting. Now, I had never heard of Westerland, uh, which is I- interesting because, of course, it becomes the wasteland and Marienburg, of course, becomes the free city of Marienburg o- outside of the purview of the empire. But in this part of the timeline, um, it is still part of the empire. So it's it's kind of a player in this, this conflict. And... Uh, Elspeth Mar- uh, Magrita the fourth, or the, sorry, the sixth. My the sixth, Roman numerals yeah. are bad. Um, yeah, is is the uh, is is the Elector Countess, and um, yeah, just it tells us that it's wealthy, of course, because it's always been wealthy. But uh, I, I like her. I like the sigil uh, of hers, like the the kind of mermaid with the thing. Is is kind of nice. Yeah, mermaid She's with two tails. Uh... Yeah. It reminds me a little of a Starbucks. brand of coffee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Uh, and then, of course, we've got Osterland and uh, rule, uh, ruled from Middenheim, of course, and uh, by uh, Count Sigismund Ulrich. Osterland is home to the wolf emperors of the north, fierce devotees of Ulrich. Um, so this is interesting because Osterland, because in, in, in the the like the twenty five hundreds, like the the modern Warhammer fantasy, there's Ostland, and there's Minland. But this seems to tell me that both of those regions are under the control of what would later become the Count of Minland. 
Does that sound what, right? Yeah, what I think they are going for is that these two provinces, Westerland and Osterland, if, if, if you can call them provinces, because mm. one is called a barony and the other a grand county. So mm. uh, I think these are um, multiple of the empire provinces that are under a single ruler. Like maybe what you have mm-hmm. in this time is, um, for example, uh, Midland and Osterland uh, both siding behind the uh, Count Sigismund as, mm-hmm. uh, as their leader so that this becomes unified, the, these different provinces become unified in what you can then call the Grand Country of Osterland Grand County of Osterland, which is ruled by uh, Sigismund Ulrich, and then maybe at some later point, um, uh, one of these provinces will defect to another, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think something like that's happening. So, so you have these these multiple emperors ruling simultaneously but each over only a part of the empire that has mm-hmm. been united into sort of temporal n- not yet an empire but also a little bit bigger than a province yeah yeah does that make sense of, yes it does it does that's exactly what i was thinking thank you for kind of going through it um i would be shocked too if this um if this Osterland also didn't include Nordland, because I yeah, think probably. Nordland's always been a very small in, in terms of population. Right. So I, I would f- figure that would be the case. I really like that though. I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm really looking forward to the like political lore <laughs> of the empire during this time. I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading that, like all the, the machinations and like kind of where each of these things falls. Um, and then, of course, we have the Principality of Reichland, and um, it's ruled by the pious Wilhelm uh, I of Altdorf, a devout servant of the Empire's patron deity. So that is uh, that is Reichland. We don't know we don't know what other territories Reichland might might be consuming at this point, but uh, maybe no, Wissland as well. Yeah, probably it probably goes down a little bit as well uh, towards non maybe i'm not sure yeah because yeah, that's you only see a very enough. very uh small section of it and you do see those red dotted lines and uh, i think those are the province boundaries so mm-hmm. it doesn't really say it, it doesn't reveal yet which provinces are all sided behind which of the uh, empire contestants emperor contestants mm-hmm yeah, so that'll be really neat to see. Uh, I, I am loving that each of these pictures, of course, we're we're looking at zoomed in portions of the 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 big fancy map that they've been making that show us uh, the the coat of arms of each of the claimants and and like the the surrounding environments of of those provinces. And each one I'm seeing, I'm just like, oh, beastmen, more beastmen, like all of the the gore skulls around. I'm like, man, times are tough. Times are tough yeah. in the Empire. There is beastmen everywhere. Um, only one shown in the Reichland one, but Reichland's also kind of one of the smaller ones that we're seeing here. And um, finally, we've got the Grand Duchy of Talabek. And uh, it's, of course, ruled from Talabheim by Duke Ludwig the Twelfth. 
And Ludwig has an awesome, like, green man as his uh, coat of arms. Um, look, he's got a bit of an Orion feel to him, like all... Yeah, you know, a bit of a tree leafy. man. Uh... Yeah, yeah. So I I'm, I, I like that. Um, also, some, some, you know, some beastmen there, too. And, um, yeah, I, I like this because at least it gives us a sense of kind of the, the major players. I would, I I still, even though that this game is much bigger in scope than I first gave it credit for, I would love, I I, I assume we're getting army books or or something like it, but I would love a supplement that just goes in depth with all of the Imperial claimants, like all of like the politicking, like the, the ways that, that the empire has been divided up and, and their squabbles and things. So I'm, I'm hoping that's either a campaign book or a supplement, or maybe it's part of like the empire book. If, if there is a like kind of empire forces book. Um, yeah, I think it's just really, really cool. Um, so a little, a little bit, a little bit more, maybe, maybe, maybe it's two leaves of lettuce. Yeah, if, if I if I can yeah. um, add to that, I think it would be very stupid for GW if they didn't do that. If they didn't mm-hmm. um, give you like individual army lists, even if it's just like back of the book army lists to to do something like that, because they say at the beginning of the article that. Um, Basically, the old world begins uh, at the time of Warhammer, the old world is set. It is in the years before the Siege of Prague. So chaos is amassing, but it's not yet invading. So you you basically start with these um, different warring imperial provinces, and then chaos comes and they they all get united. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the uh, things that I find interesting about the the whole idea of, of of this game and everything is that you have this this lead up period, but there's nothing to give us the sense necessarily that they're going to take us all the way to the Great War Against Chaos, uh, because you know like their their games are very often fairly static now i know that's that's changed in the last few years uh for warhammer fantasy though you know it it only ever jumped ahead by a few years at a time until the end times in which case it it went crazy pants but i i I do wonder yeah how how far we get to go on this timeline trip uh i assume anything that (laughs) anything that happens will be very slow in happening uh, so it could be, you know, maybe it's a decade or something before we we get anything that that you know is the Great War against Chaos. But I would love to see that evolution. Ooh, ex- experience the Warhammer world in real time. <laughs> Seriously, um, one of the things that I think they might do in terms of like army books and stuff, I could see there being a single army book for the Empire. And a lot of what they do now for their games is within factions you you have kind of sub-faction rules. So you would choose, say, like, to play the Barony of Westerland, and that would open up certain abilities that, that you would have, um, you know, a few special rules, maybe different magical items, that kind of thing. And you would be limited, of course, to characters that have... I assume they're going to put keywords in this game because they 
absolutely have gone crazy for keywords over the past like six, seven years. I assume like all of your army would get keywords like the Barony of Westerland and the only special characters you could take would also have to have those keywords and it would kind of lock you out of certain things, but also give you some uh, unique rules and that kind of thing. I think that would be sense. Yeah. The easiest way they could do it. I would like books for each of these, but uh, I am not going to get that. (laughs) So in lieu of that, I would take a, a nice big fat empire book that had plenty of lore on, on each of these, hopefully. Yeah, preferably one that comes with its own, uh, like acolyte to carry the book for you. Yeah, honestly, they should have just, done just that like years the, ago. The, the chaos book should come with a couple of familiars to carry it. <laughs> oh my god! All I want is a little demon to carry around my books. That's it. That's it. As long as it's not a nurgling. Uh, well, you know, they're gonna get slammed. Well, I, I, I'm not going to slam my children here, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have two of those. Okay. Yeah. Most of the times they're angels, but sometimes they can be. Uh, well, I think it's kids in general. Uh, the, the the craziest thing I ever saw, the most nurgling thing I ever saw in my entire life was when I worked at the library. I was a children's librarian for many years. And we had these. So our, our, our library in Halifax, our big central one is kind of like one of those architectural things that they design that is like looks really cool, but like half of the space is unusual unusable uh so it has a big open section and there's pedways across on each floor and the floor i was on i was watching this kid and he walks onto the pedway and he sticks out his tongue and he licks the railing all the way across the pedway this is like at least 20 25 feet or like you know uh like 10 meters or something like it's, it's not a small amount of space and he just he just walked he just walked with his tongue out just licking it and i was too shocked to move like i i honestly didn't know what to do because it was the worst <laughs> thing i had ever seen in my entire life and i was just like i work in a germ factory just yes. a big old germ yeah. factory oh man yeah it was wild i i tell that story whenever i can because it was just like i i i have frozen very few times in my entire life right like it's not something that happens uh on a daily basis but like with that i just did not know what to do because it was both disgusting and enthralling at the same time and yeah like that kid was a nurgling i I can't think of any other reason why he would do that well uh i think all kids are at least 50 percent nurgling (laughs) um yeah well we 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 have a um a subscription to the to the local zoo and uh, we go there on a regular basis and uh, the kids love to go there especially the oldest one to watch uh, all the animals uh, giraffes are a favorite so she can climb up to the rail looking at the giraffes and and unthinkingly just suck the metal rail as if it was um like a pacifier or something so Whenever I see it, I say something about it, of course. But yeah, the kids yeah. just act that way. Yeah. yeah I, I, th- I, th- I think if you tell the story to parents, they, most of them wouldn't be surprised. It's just like, <laughs> well, maybe maybe not a whole 25 feet. But yeah, my kid will definitely do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I think we've covered this this article as much as we can here. I mean, it's not much, but it's not nothing. And it came out, I think, in better time than the last several have. Yeah, like we've been going on like a six- Oh, I was going to say we um, I think we've covered this this article in in as much detail as we can. Uh, it, it at least seems to have come out in better time than the last ones. Like we've been going on like a six month schedule and I feel like maybe it's only been three months. Yeah, something so, like that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, maybe they're I, getting I, I better. I can't even remember the last one. It was with the, uh, with the skeleton chariot. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah it did that Tomb Kings art. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember when that was either, but time is a flat circle, so who knows. And uh, yeah, so nice little bit of news for uh, those people waiting on the old world like us. And, uh, you know, maybe one day our grandkids will live to see its release. But uh, for now, at least, uh, you know, they keep telling us that so much work is going into this thing. So what are you going to do? Yeah, well, uh, I I am definitely still expectant. Um, And I also know that even if this turns out to be a massive failure, we still have all the old editions of Warhammer that we can still enjoy. Absolutely. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I would honestly just like to get some fun miniatures out of it. If the rules are good, that's a bonus. I don't expect that, but I would love I would love some in-depth, you know, lore and, and the time of the three emperor, uh, emperors as well. So that'd be fun to cover. Like, I really just want like some f- fun new stuff. And that's and, and, you know, if I get a good game, that's a bonus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we should look at it like that. Yeah. Uh, new miniatures, new lore. And uh, maybe if the rules are good, we can uh, try it out a couple of times. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I know our episode was a little bit of a grab bag. Do we have anything? After yeah, that, we, we, we still yeah. have some uh, New Year's resolutions. Right. Oh, my God. I almost because forgot. That, yeah. If, if, we, if we don't talk about those, then you have to record a new opening. Oh, I do. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I can't do that. So that'd be way too much work. So let's talk about it. Of course. Yeah. All right. Uh, so for New Year's resolutions, it's funny because I, I, I don't tend to make them in any other part of my life. But for like Warhammer stuff, I'm just like, I would like to do this this year. So my my goal this year is uh, a little flexible, a little flexible. I have uh, I have a good number of painted Warhammer fantasy armies, uh, which is really nice. But one of the things that I keep doing is whenever I like paint something for 40 K and I could get a painted force together, I have a bad tendency to sell it because <laughs> 40 K to me isn't as precious as, as fantasy. And then I get bored and then I, I, I sell it. And so what I want to do this year is get a couple of like small forces together so I can, I can do like little games and stuff. And this isn't my second ed stuff. My second ed stuff is like, I've got a bunch of stuff for that. Um, that is done. Cause I, I have gotten to play that. So I've had like the motivation to finish it, but for, for I'm talking about like more modern stuff. So like third ed onward, I would like to, to have a couple of painted forces that I could play mostly one page rules, but also the odd game of like third ed 40 K or, uh, t- 10th ed will probably be coming this summer. So, you know, maybe give that a try just to out of morbid curiosity, but, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I'd like to paint a couple forces there and 
I'm really not looking to buy much this year. Uh, unless the old world drops and it's got sweet like Chaos Dwarfs versus Kislev or something, and then we'll see. But otherwise, I am... Yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with where my collection is right now. And uh, financially, there's other stuff I want to be spending money on. The big thing for me in terms of hobby this year is in sort of hobby, but sort of also work. Um, I'm going to be graduating in June of this year from my program. And uh, I'm I'm in a basically a, a media production program. Uh, it's called Radio Television Journalism, and it's through uh, our local college here in, in Halifax. And so what I want to do is kind of start my own company. I, I worked with a great company uh, the last summer that, that did podcast production. Uh, I want to, to do that, but I want to kind of do that for myself. Uh, because a lot of the things I want to do are just like creating content for myself, uh, including this show and, and maybe derivatives of this show. So there's going to be, it's going to be weird because obviously if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I have been anything but regular in the last like year and a half. And uh, like, that's because of school. Uh, so after, after I graduate or after my work term is done, basically I'm going to be devoting most of my time to either doing things freelance or doing things like this that I can try and uh, kind of make a go of. I've, I've got a couple other projects in the works with uh, some of my friends from, from school. Uh, I really want to start doing, I meant to start doing video in 2022. I, I was just like, yeah, this is going to be the year of video. I made one video. <laughs> because I was so busy. Um, so I really want to get into video, video editing, and um, just kind of explore what I can do with these new skills. So a lot of that is going to be orchard related or other kind of like I've got some some tabletop stuff in the works. I've got a bunch of things that are just kind of con concepts now that I haven't had time to, to flesh out. But um, I think as a New Year's resolution, one of my my biggest ones is to kind of get back on track with a like a regular Tuesday release schedule, which I miss for this show. I, I love being uh, having that regular schedule. So for anyone who has been listening for a long time who is annoyed that episodes come out sort of randomly during the week, look, I hear you. I, I am also that way. Uh, the problem is me, uh, to paraphrase Taylor Swift, but... Uh, yeah, like come May or June, I should be able to get regular on that and uh, do a whole bunch of other stuff that hopefully people will be interested in. Uh, so it's going to be an exciting year. A lot of it, I think, is going to be doing stuff like this. So kind of interacting with the hobby from kind of one step back. But it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, looking forward to that. Would be... Um... Would be nice to have you have you back on the show uh, more regularly. No kidding. Um, <laughs> I mean, I love doing those solo episodes, but it, it's just uh, having someone to talk to is is always so much more fun mm -hmm. than just talking to my computer screen. And, and you you know that same feeling, of course. Oh my god, it's it's nice. You've done your fair so share. Much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say, GJ, this last episode that you put out is one of the all time greatest titles for the war games orchard of all time. 
Uh, oh, it was, I, when I saw it, I, I laughed out loud. I, I when I saw it pop up in my feed, because yeah, it is it is exactly the kind of silly that I envisioned when I uh, <laughs> when I made this show. Uh, yeah, stig stig do's and stig don'ts is easily something that that gets my full approval. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> I I try my best, and sometimes I have my moments. But uh, usually, I'm I'm terrible at thinking up titles <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, even I, I'm always struggling with uh, the title for the episode and the and the introduction, uh, the the very first uh, uh, opening line. Yeah, what it <laughs> should be, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the opening the opening line thing. I don't even know when I started doing that, but I think almost from the beginning. But it was just like I, I have a weird compulsion to make stupid uh, one liners for this show, and I have no idea why. Um, but what about you, GJ? What is what is the year holding for you in the hobby? Well, I'm usually a bit cautious making plans because I know that oftentimes I have a schedule of stuff I want to paint and then something else pops up or I have a battle and I think, oh, I want to paint this unit before um, before I get to play. I am currently working on a very large Beastman Force. It's about 9,000 points all in total that I want to paint for this uh, Call of the Crime Challenge. 9,000? And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm we we are uh, in our fourth month, and I have three thousand points now down. Um, another three thousand points will basically be one more month where I paint all the uh, different minotaurs I have. This is including special characters and stuff like that. So um, these uh, these nine thousand points, uh, there, there are some some four five hundred point miniatures in there. So that's uh, uh, but but yeah, it, it's it's still a lot, and um, is it ever? I am really grateful for the uh, contrast base. So I do want to finish these beastmen, and just basically see how far I can take this. And, and probably I won't be able to finish everything that I have planned. But if I get uh, enough done, then I will be able to to use this. And the fun part about chaos is that you can mix and match. I'm also doing some. Uh, Warriors of Chaos. I still have to make a Warriors of Chaos unit that I'm using for the um, for the campaign I do with uh, with uh, Roderick. That's still ongoing. I mentioned on the podcast a couple of times, but it's uh, it, it's ongoing, but it's also slow going because we both have our schedules. He's working on his uh, PhDs in Egypt now for some uh, field work. He's an archaeologist doing some research. He sent me a really cool picture of some. Ushapti that he had based with actual Egyptian sand. That's um, too cool. Too cool. Love it. Yeah, he, he, he and, a, and a friend and co-worker of him are both also in the uh, Call of the Crown challenge. And um, uh, this uh, this friend, uh, uh, Richie, he, uh, he's also brought some miniatures to Egypt. He's also some Tomb Kings miniatures, going to base them with Egyptian desert sand. So we will probably see those miniatures pop up in the future in the uh, and the Call of the Crown challenge. So yeah, at the moment I'm still having a lot of fun hosting that challenge, and I'm I'm curious to see um, how far how it will go and how far it it will it will go. It should end at the end of May. So um, that's basically what I have planned until then. And after that, I really don't know. I have some more high elves that I want to paint up. 
I have some, um, a lot of Seaguard that are half finished or in, or in various stages of completion, a unit of 30 of those. And some sword masters that I have lined up, also a unit of 30. And I also have some lizardmen and skaven sitting. They have been sitting in a box beneath my desk, all primed and ready to go for, I think, at least a year and a half now. So that that's always going to be my next project, but I never get around to it. <laughs> so I, I think... Um, the next big project I might do is Skaven because I I have, I think of all the different factions that I have, the only ones that I don't have any painted miniatures for, at least playable forces, are uh, Skaven and Demons of Chaos. And the rest I can all field like at least 500 points to 1,000 point armies. And I do want to expand on all of them, of course, Um but uh, yeah, there's, um, uh, well, well you, you know, we talked before the show about, uh, uh, things like faith and Christianity and stuff. And there's a story in the Bible about, uh, Nehemiah, who is a, a scribe. And this is, uh, around, uh, 500 BC, the Jews have been taken to Babylon in captivity, and then they return to Jerusalem and they are besieged from all sides by by different people that want to have a part of the of the promised land that uh, have been living there for the past 70 years and now the Jews are returning so they can't live there anymore and uh, what Nehemiah does is he orders his people to build up the wall around the city but it's a big wall and so it's a big city and they don't have enough people and they're besieged so they are working with the spear in one hand and and like uh, um, a a trowel in the other. And then Nehemiah says, well, first what we're going to do is we're going to build up the entire wall all the way around the city, but we're not going to build it up to the full height, but just to half of its height. And that's basically what I'm going to do with my Warhammer armies to um, make a a very long-winded analogy. I, I want to... Of course, I'm going to, to to do some armies that are in a more completed state than others, but I first want to be able to play every different faction, and then I'll just add some more units to each of them as uh, time progresses. So first I'm going to, to see if I can get everything up to uh, like maybe a 1,000 points or 1,500 points, and then uh, add a couple of dwarves here and some wood elves and some empire and some vampire counts and then get those armies up to 2000 and give me a couple of more options but i think at the moment we are at, at, at this point in time it's also going to be around 2024 2025 probably so um yeah my, my new year's resolution is basically going up to the summer with some certainty and then after that i will probably see it will also depend if if some people will organize new painting challenges because i i have found that helps me a lot and although i do like organizing the call of the crown challenge i don't think i should do that two years in a row um also to give some other people the the chance and the opportunity to do something like that, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really really happy with how it goes. I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm just overwhelmed with the response and the 
a camaraderie and 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 people supporting each other, giving each other tips, and that's um, that's just awesome. And then all the beautifully painted miniatures and the large armies you see, um, the way that people are committed to this, uh, that's it's it's been so far an experience that's been beyond my expectation. But it's also a lot of work, and I don't want to get like well burned out is is too strong of a statement but like fed up with this part of the hobby uh, just because the workload makes it feel like actual work instead of just a uh, hobby and uh, and having fun so uh, yeah the uh, call of the crown challenge i've i've decided when it ends i am not going to do a new painting challenge straight away. I, I will, of course, be able to to do the orchard challenges. That's uh, uh, that's not that taxing. <laughs> Ours are pretty uh, chill, and, and I'll ha- ha- happily be able to do that uh, to, to continue to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's uh, my my plans run to the summer, and then I'll see where life takes me from there. That sounds good. Sounds good. I I like that in one breath you can say, you know, you don't don't want to get burnt out on it, that kind of thing. And then the other one, he's telling me that, you know, just a, a casual 9,000 points for the uh, <laughs> the call of the crown. It was, uh, yeah, yeah, no, no mixed messages there. I love I love that, though. I think you've got a, I've got you've got uh, you got some good, good resolutions there. Uh, I, what I'm thinking now is that Games Workshop. Uh, must have seen pictures of all of these uh, these beastmen that you're painting, and that's why we have so many enclaves in the old world. They're just like GJ's beastmen need to live somewhere. We gotta gotta put them everywhere. There's too many of them, so they're. Uh, they're- yeah, I, I think that's probably the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I, like I mentioned in, in yesterday's podcast, we also have a uh, a new person who just joined the group, uh, Olivia, who was also sharing lots of pictures of her beastman army um so so beastmen are basically taking over the war games orchard and all right uh, yeah and, and and i must say i'm this is this is really uncharacteristically for me but i have not read much about beastman lore and in all honesty when i started out with warhammer there were some forces that just didn't appeal to me that much mm. And uh, one of them is dark elves. I know you love them, I but love them. I, I've 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 grown to love them after starting to paint them. But uh, dark elves and the the three chaos factions uh, with beastmen in particular, they have never really appealed to me uh, until the point I started to collect them and paint them. Um, but still, yeah, beastmen. There's 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 something. Um, something about them that they're trying to be fun in with with the rules, but the look of the miniatures and and this is also the way I paint them, of course. But mm. uh, it's it's mostly rather boring in the sense that if you have uh, well contrasted with with Britonia or the Empire, you have all these bright colors. Beastman, you can you can do something with red X's and you can do something with marks of the mm-hmm. ruinous powers, but most of them are just yeah flesh tones and browns. And uh, I know the sixth edition army book had the uh, beastman in red flesh tones, 
Um, I'm reserving that for the uh, uh, corn-oriented beastmen. Uh, most of them just have regular uh, flesh stone, flesh stones like uh, the, the, the human, mm-hmm. what, what you might call human flesh stones, and the uh, the first brown, different shades of brown. It, it's all a bit drab, and I think that is one of the th- reasons why this army has never drawn me in. Um, at least not not to a sense that, for example, orcs have. And, and, and I think if you have to compare Beastmen to anything, that orcs and goblins is going to be, well, maybe Skaven, but uh, orcs and goblins in, in, in terms of society, uh, they are the closest match, I think, to, to Beastmen. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, orcs are just uh, so much more appealing at least to me, but this is all this is all taste. This is all personal. So, uh, please, people, don't take offense if you hear me say this. And if you love Beastmen, uh, well, good for you. And and I I know I will uh, at least when I play with them, I will grow to love them. Um, <laughs> it's just n- not a natural attraction. It's a it's a uh, it's an acquired taste to uh, use use a cliche. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think Games Workshop probably felt the same way too, because they, you know, they were always the the redheaded stepchild of of chaos, right? They they never got yes. the 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 redesigns, the the extra stuff that the other ones got. Um, you know, they they got a seventh ed book, and then they were not ever seen again uh, until like a few end times rules. Yeah, it's I, I get what you're saying, yeah. especially like the the very earthy tones that they have are a little bit, you know, they're, they're sometimes a little bit muddy. They're, they're not as, as interesting to, to look at, you know, ranked up as, as orcs and goblins are or some of the brighter, you know, elves and stuff that, that have more color to them. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting too, because like when I was a kid, I kind of felt the same way that you felt like they just didn't spark that with me either. And I think it is the fact that it might've just been like the colors Right. Like it's just, it, you know, maybe yeah. Cause so much of Warhammer is spectacle. Um, it, it, you know, it, it is, was back yeah. then and it is still today. If you, you know, even maybe more so today where they've moved on to like the, you know, the giant centerpiece models being, you know, everyone gets one kind of thing. And uh, yeah, for, for Beastmen, it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't, they were beautiful models. I love the models now. Uh, I can really appreciate them now, but it, it was an army that when I looked at realm of chaos, it was like the chaos warriors or it was, you know, the demons, the blood letters, the, the demonettes and like the, the minotaurs I always thought were cool, but I wasn't. Oh, minotaurs are awesome. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't yeah. super. Minotaurs are, are the beastmen saving grace mm-hmm. for me. They've always, I think been like the strongest, most interesting part of, of that army. Um, I don't mean strongest in games terms. I mean, strongest in terms of like aesthetics and, and uh, flavor. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. But. Yeah, and, and I, th- I think also, um, especially coming from third edition Realm of Chaos, I think there's a, a big missed opportunity where GW made all of the different uh, beastmen like Gors, Ungors, uh, Bestagors. They they are all just variations on the team uh, Goathead. Mm-hmm. And in Realm of Chaos, you can have 
a lot of different things. Like you can have a, a tiger head or, or there are a lot more beasts than just goats and your, your classic satyrs. So I think if GW had gone that route where you have a different kinds of, even if it's just different kinds of heads, let, let them all have their hooves. I don't care about that, but just different kinds of heads. Um, like maybe a, a, apart from the goat, just a, uh, something like a dog or a wolf, something like a, a feline, like a tiger and, uh, maybe like a bird, like an eagle or something, uh, uh, well, you, you do have those those sangos. Do they have like an eagle head or something like that? Or am I ref- like they they they're a mix of goat and like avian? So they have the avian beak, yeah, of like the goat horns and stuff. So it's not full, right? Bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but if if you do something like that and you can just uh, mix and match a bit, um, that will also give you a lot of opportunity to add more colors. Mm-hmm. So you can have still the goat-headed beastman in the more earthy tones, and then have some orange for a tiger-headed beastman with black stripes and have some, uh, maybe some some bright colors for one of the bird-like beastmen. Mm-hmm. And if you do it like that, I think the army will well, it look will definitely look less unified, but it will look more, um, maybe more appealing. But but I'm, I, I'm having a hard time picturing this, how it is going to be on the tabletop. So I might just be uh, mistaken here. Yeah, I think one of Games Workshop's worst crimes of all time was not giving us a mutations box that would have been like yes. arms and heads and things. Just go wild, right? Because yes, tentacles, like any, multiple anyone, tentacles. Yeah, anyone who has ever or, or read like the original like Realm of Chaos books or something, there's just everything is so wild and wonderful and, and weird. And you just don't get that on the tabletop. Right, everything is so much more uniformed, and beastmen should yeah. be the like they're the true children of chaos. At least they think so, and so they should be absolutely out of this world in terms of like the weirdness level. And having them all as goats, I like the goat aesthetic. It's not a bad aesthetic, but it is it's very uniform for a force that should not be uniform yeah. in the least. Yeah, and and what what doesn't help them is uh, once again comparing beastmen to orcs. Orcs wear clothes, and they you can do a lot of variations with mm-hmm. clothes. If you if even if you look at those sixth edition monopose orc archers, you have one with a, uh, a studded um, studded armor, one with a uh, more leather armor, uh, one holding a sword together with a bow. So you have some variation over there, and the only variation you have with the beastmen is well the. Gores are a little bit bigger than the ungores, and, and the horns look different if you if you look at them more closely. The gores have bigger horns, but other than that, it's just minor details. It's like, do they have uh, a a loincloth made of cloth, or is it mailed? Do they have a, a medallion or a coin hanging around the neck, or is it a tooth? So it's it's those minor details, and and you get some variation in the weapons, uh, at least for the gores, and not for the ungores. They all have s- similar spears, mm-hmm. um, but that makes it look, yeah, almost even though these are multiple kits, almost like monopose miniatures. That they paint like um, the uh, fourth edition high elves from the starter set that I did last year. That they've got that that feel about them. Mm-hmm. Except that now I'm using contrast and I'm a lot sloppier because, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, 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 that might also be the case. Uh, 
I'm I, I I'm putting out so much points because I'm I'm cutting corners left, right, and center. So well, I think I think center has no corners, but um, at least left and right, I'm cutting them and mm-hmm. and trying to get them to a standard where at least all the uh, raid bone base coat is uh, is covered. But I'm not going to look too closely if uh, the brown of the fur is is going a little bit over what might be skin on another beastman and. Uh, I think that also makes sense uh, for the uh, the brown of the fur. Even if you don't have the fur modeled on, you can still have some brown next to it, which is like very f- small, fine fur that um, that's not modeled onto the beastman. It, it doesn't distract from the from the model. It's uh, especially if you see them in a large horde on the table. Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, these these are for me for this challenge ideal to just um, generate a a large output of miniatures in terms of of numbers of models, and uh, for the next army, well, prob- if I'm going to do Skaven, I can probably do something similar because I have about three hundred of those rats that can be uh, clan rats or. Uh, um, what are they, slaves? So, so I have to, I have to um, find a way to make that go fast as well. But if if I'm going to do, say, wood elves next, or dwarves, or or, uh, or lizardmen, basically any other army, I can't get away with uh, being so so sloppy. So I have to, I have to be a lot neater, and that will. Um, automatically mean I have to take more time for my miniatures Mm -hmm. and spending more time with my miniatures will also get me to uh, almost like bond with them better if if that makes sense it's uh, you you spend care time on on care and detail and that will then um, make you feel more attached to these specific miniatures and uh, my my beastmen, I I'm, I'm glad I have them, and I I do want to play them. I am looking re- really looking forward to put them on the tabletop, especially those uh, those big monsters. But um, I I don't feel like attached to them in a similar way. And this might also be because I got my my beastmen army second hand, and I had to strip them all, and not all the stripping was was perfect. And there were a lot of mm. uh, weapons broken off that had to be replaced and and some conversion stuff I had to do so um, it's also basically building forth on somebody else's sloppy job oh, so okay. that's that's yeah uh, or uh, lots of reasons but but for some reason um, I like painting them the beastmen but but I don't have that kind of emotional attachment that I have with uh, with other armies yeah, and, and I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out why that is or if I even should be able to to do that or get that or if I should have that. Uh, uh, maybe not, probably not. I'll just have to uh, see what happens when I put them on the table. Yeah, yeah. So this turned out to be a Beastman episode after it all. It did, it did. A secret, <laughs> secret Beastman episode. 
It was uh, it's pretty good. This is this has been our TED talk on how beastmen are underappreciated, but also not super fun to paint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like we have we have done a, a great uh, emergency news episode slash other stuff too slash New Year's resolution. Um, g- a good grab bag of uh, orchard content for you. I, I don't know. I feel like we've we've done good here, GJ. I had a lot of fun catching up with you. Uh, yes, yeah. Anyway, so uh, yeah, and I'm yeah. I'm really looking forward to what uh, 2023 is going to bring mm-hmm. to to you and to me, both in our personal lives and and in, in orchard related. Content yeah, yeah. As well. I um, I can't wait to to have some some proper time to to devote to to doing all of the the things that I've been dreaming about for like two years now as I do this program, and I I want to put all this stuff into action and it's just like, Oh, I need, I need the opportunity. I need the time, but uh, that'll come. That'll come. And I'm really excited about it. And uh, yeah, I am. I also thanks everyone for, for listening. And uh, we've had some listeners that have been with us since like 2020 and that's wild. Uh, Time flies. And uh, I'm I'm really, really hopeful that 2023 will be a good year uh, at least in terms of, hobby because uh the world is a crazy place so who knows (laughs) but uh thanks so much for listening and until next time have a great week thanks for listening you can connect with us on instagram or email us at wargamesorchard at gmail.com and don't forget to join us on facebook at the warhammer orchard The time of mortals has come to an end.